You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today, so why don't we get started with Andy from Kansas. Ryan, this is Andy still stuck in uh, Kansas, which has become a lot more annoying of a place. Still watching the Super Bowl. Uh, I should have called you earlier and said, uh, whichever of the two teams actually has to pay for any con- or has to pay consequences for any of their mistakes, that's the team that's going to finally lose. Throughout these playoffs, it seems like the two teams that met tonight made mistakes. They didn't play flawless football by any means, but they never seemed to have to suffer any consequences for it. You know, Purdy's two bad throws against the Packers weren't picked off. They should have been. And then tonight, you know, the Niners botched that punt return and the Chiefs scored on it, and that's pretty much the only real tipping of the scale. Other than that, I thought it was sloppy on offense, sloppy on defense. Some of the stuff was interesting. I thought the Niners were, you know, creative at the beginning of the game and then got away, you know, from what they normally do pretty well, like grinding the ball down with McCaffrey and end up scoring touchdowns, which they they couldn't uh, do. If you look at the... The team stats, um, the Niners couldn't convert on third down. That's, in the end, I think kind of what ended up being the difference is that third down offense was either bad by the Niners or third down defense was good by the Chiefs, and that's what we had to watch for like four hours. So not impressed and uh, just got to deal with uh, the winning team around here or the lining team around here. It depends on what happens with the game. <laughs> Thanks, bye. Yeah, I mean, the, the offenses weren't impressive. Um, the Chiefs offense in particular is not the Chiefs offense that we're used to, but as the Chiefs offense has taken a significant step back, their defense has risen to become this Goliath. And to, to be fair, their defense has always been decent, but, um, you know, it, it has compensated for the lack of offense this year in particular. 
And it, I, I think in general, to your point, the NFL as a whole has been kind of lackluster. There haven't really been the powerhouses. Baltimore was supposed to be the powerhouse, and they couldn't get out of their own way. And it does add to the frustration because as Packer fans, we sit back and we look at this and go, bro, we could have done this. Like, we, we should have beat the stupid 49ers. We definitely could have beat the freaking Lions. And then we already beat the Chiefs. And look at them. They couldn't score to save their lives. And, you know, again, some of that is to the credit of the 49ers, but it's like, come on, man. 49ers couldn't do anything against their defense. We can. We scored more points against them than anybody. Put us in, coach. But at the same time, I don't really think it's an act. I mean, I picked the Chiefs for a reason, and it wasn't because they were the best team statistically or analytically or anything like that. I just think there's something to, it's almost like a different game. How do you overcome the odds and, and make it more than just a coin flip? I saw a stats guy basically say that, you know, the Super Bowl itself kind of comes down to just being a coin flip. And it's like, well, it probably seems that way because every statistic you've thrown at it has shown no correlation. But maybe there are some underlying reasons or causes that uh, don't necessarily go accounted for that the stats can't pick up. And I think the whole debacle with, taking the 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 ball in overtime to a, a very low light low resolution degree kind of highlights this issue when we heard you know I don't I, the story changes by the minute but the 49ers didn't know or didn't what the point is though the team as a whole didn't really prepare for this whether or not the coaches knew the players knew whatever they kind of just trotted out there and were like yeah we're going to receive because they're all excited about it and just never occurred to them that in this situation we need to do something else and then you hear on the other side for the chiefs like they talk about this all the time like all year or whatever they've been they've been talking about this and preparing for this and going over this and there is just a, a a different level of preparation and i think specifically with an eye toward the playoffs how to win how to prepare how how to uh how to beat the odds in terms of just the statistical anomaly of winning this many games in a row Again, I, I picked the Chiefs for a reason. It's it's not even because they were the better team or the more talented team. It's because you just can't count out the Chiefs. Not in the postseason. They just find a way to win. And that's that's what they've done almost every year. I mean, how many times did we see, especially early on, where they'd be down by just a billion points? They're just getting um, annihilated. And they still somehow come back and win and move on to the next round. And then the same thing happens again. And they come back and they win and they move on. I don't know if it's just, you know, Pat Mahomes kind of has that Tom Brady in him where he's just, he's like a dog with a bone, man. He just, he's, he's, he's an unstoppable, insatiable robot that, that just can't be stopped. And there's just a bunch of those types of people, those, those type A personalities or whatever you want to call it on the team that, that creates a winning atmosphere. I, I don't know what the formula is. That's kind of the point, but I, I guess I just, I see it as being something um, other than random. And it's unfortunate because I don't know that anybody really knows what it is. And so it's hard to find it. It's hard to get that in free agency. It's hard to uh, draft that. It's just a good combination of, again, from the top down, the preparation, the the discipline, and then just having the right types of people that just, you know, when when the game is on the line, they just switch into a different mode. They're They're you're trying to find, I guess, competitors among the competitors. So, yeah, I could see why the game itself would be seen more or less as uh, as boring. I, I thought it was pretty. If it would have stayed, you know, 
basically till the end of the game. That would have been pretty rough, but um, you know, the, the scoring started and uh, I thought the score overall ended where it kind of needed to, to be an interesting game. So you had your offensive battles, your defensive battles. I don't know. I, 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 as much as I could possibly enjoy it, I think I enjoyed it, but uh, I get your point. Morning, Ryan. Um, it's the morning after the Super Bowl, so I just wanted to uh, call it and, and say some things that I noticed. First off, we would have won the game if we were in it. That, that's that's what I know. Yeah, I mean, probably. Obviously, I don't know that because nobody knows that. But I, I, I was watching that game and thinking to myself, yeah, we we would have won. Um, on when it comes to Jordan Love, I watched multiple throws from Mahomes and uh, Purdy, and. Uh, there were throws that I was like, yeah, Jordan would have made that. Jordan would have made that happen. Um, Mahomes is working with nobody on offense, though. I, I don't even like Isaiah Pacheco. Kelsey looked slow. There was a lot of times I was just like, if, if Mahomes had the, the Green Bay wide receiver core and uh, even our tight ends and our running backs and our offensive line, I don't want to know how dangerous the Chiefs would or Patrick Mahomes would be. Right. So, so there's that. Um, when it comes to our defense. You know, I think our defense would have kept us in this game. I really do. Um, because the Chiefs offense was not looking great for a long time there. I feel like the Chiefs would have run a little bit better than they did. Uh, Pacheco put the ball on the ground, what, twice? Uh, maybe not, I don't know. But that wasn't good. So I just, we're just looking at that. And then on top of that, I'm thinking to myself, you know, that's good. That's good for this team. Good that they probably see that the Chiefs look like and the 49ers look like and uh, yeah, they're probably thinking to themselves, I can't believe we lost to the 49ers because we would have won the Super Bowl. I hope that's the motivation. I hope Rashawn Gary is stirring. I hope I hope Preston Smith is stirring. I hope Jordan Love and Christian Watson and all them boys are stirring right now, pissed at themselves like, damn, we should have been there. We should have been the guy. Uh, so yeah, I'm just just watching that game. Uh, like even even on top of like Christian McCaffrey, Aaron Jones would have been better than Christian McCaffrey was. Who's the best receiver in this game? Juwan Johnson, whatever the heck is Jennings or whatever the heck his name is. You're you're gonna tell me that Romeo Dobbs or Ty Wicks or even Malik Heath couldn't have had that kind of impact on the game? Christian Watson sure sure that good. Romeo Dobbs shows that he could easily do stuff like that. I mean, and then you're leaving out Musgrave and Kraft and Jones and Dylan. I just, man, we have so many weapons on this team that are just ready. If maybe one or two of them take a step, just just take a step. If Jordan Love just does what he did and one or two of our weapons on offense takes a step and our defense just plays good, sound football, look the frig out. Anyway, go back, go. Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's a common theme here, um, and it, it, you're right. I don't know if we'd have won or not. And again, it's hard to to bet against the Chiefs, especially in the postseason. But the 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 bottom line is, regardless of any of that, nothing happened in the postseason that made us as Packer fans say we could have gotten this far and no farther. And it's weird to say, but that's rare, because even in 2020, when we lost, you look at that game that we lost and you say we're not as good as them. Even if good is the wrong word, whereas it's like if you were to rank the teams, the Packers would be ahead of them. But for whatever reason, the matchup, we just we can't overcome that defense. It's just, you know, there are teams that we just we're not as good as we're not going to beat. 
This year, you look at the landscape and go, bro, we could have beat any of these freaking losers. And so as you look out over the NFL landscape, as much as, you know, certain teams might emerge as sort of those elite types of teams, which the Packers, by the way, could also be one of those teams. Generally, teams like that don't stay, you know, this unbeatable force. It's like a one-year deal, but still, there's really nothing in our way this offseason that has us looking at it going just, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to overcome that hurdle. I don't know how we get to the Super Bowl and win. It, it, it feels like the path is cleared. We have everything we need. We know that we can, we should, we probably will get better, hopefully in, in a massive way. I mean, again, if the defense goes from like 28th or whatever, uh, what a PFF had him, had him at, like 21st or something. If you could just get like near the top 10, that's a massive leap. And again, you know, Joe Barry's defenses and those guys, they, they came together down the stretch anyway. So, but whatever. The, the, the point is, it, it feels good to be able to just sit back and realize we are in a great position. There is every reason to be excited about the future. There's every reason to be excited about 2024. Um, and, you know, it's like the, the Super Bowl's in New Orleans. There's connections with Lil Wayne. I mean, obviously, Packer fans are connecting the dot as, dots as it is. Like, let's go get some more New Orleans fans. And, and you know what? Why not? It's the offseason. Everybody's being unrealistic. If the Bears can be as garbage as they were and sit back and talk about how great they're going to be, because of the picks that they have, why can't the Packers be excited about their prospects? And 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 we should be. I would expect a different fan base, and including the Bears. I expect the Bears to be excited. You know what? You're going to get Caleb Williams, and he's going to be the next Pat Mahomes, and congratulations, right? And for the Lions, I mean, you, you took a massive step. You went from not making the playoffs to winning the division, getting to the playoffs, winning a playoff game, and being just a step away from the Super Bowl. Next year, obviously, is the year. If you're a Vikings fan, I mean, you'll get there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe a giant, massive trade up to get a quarterback or something. I, I, I don't know. You get there eventually. Hey, Jersey Mike again. Um, one other thing. I just, I just wanted to add this in there because I, I should have mentioned it. Go back and watch the game under the guise of every positive play was a Matt LaFleur play. Seriously. Go back and watch both offenses, both offenses, the 49ers and the Chiefs. Every time they did something really well, it was some kind of variation of what Matt LaFleur ran on that team. When the 49ers were moving the ball against the Chiefs, Matt LaFleur plays. When the Chiefs were moving the ball against the 49ers, Matt LaFleur plays. And I'm talking specifically from this season. We gave both teams the blueprint on how to beat the other team. Can we, can we just take that in for a minute? Our head coach, our head coach was basically out there calling plays for these two Super Bowl teams to try to beat each other. If that isn't special, if that isn't like, like, Kansas City, when they started running the football, what were they doing? They were doing that weird pitch thing that we were giving to Jones when Jones started going off halfway through the season. Uh, when we pitch out wide and like some, it's like some kind of sweep. It's like the new Packers version of the sweep or the, uh, the counter toss that 49ers were running that Jones has been doing all year. Like, yeah, it's a Shanahan thing, but that's what Jones was doing to work. And, and people are going to say, oh, well, well, LaFleur learned from Shanahan. I'm, I'm sorry. Shanahan had a bunch of other concepts in his game. But again, watch. 
what they did and their the plays that we specifically made against the Chiefs this year. It's weird. Might there be some crossover for Shanahan? Sure. But I sure I, I'm I am one hundred percent positive that Shanahan and Reed went back and said, What did LaFleur do to these defenses? Because he put on a clinic. And and that's what we got from it. <laughs> it's it's incredible. And that is glowing, glowing reviews for Matt LaFleur. You know, Matt, I was pissed at you in the beginning of the season because of Barry. I was pissed because you weren't you know, unleashing this offense in the way that I wanted. You redeemed yourself, and you're sure, like, if you could just keep this up, just keep up with the innovation, keep up with everything that you're doing. I'm so excited. Go back, though. Well, I'm just going to take your word on that because I have no interest in going back and rewatching that stupid Super Bowl. Um, and even if I did, I don't know that I would even notice necessarily. But, you know, I mean, it's certainly not outlandish. Like I said, nobody scored more points on the Chiefs than the Packers did. I mean, Matt LaFleur did put on a clinic, and that was at the early stages of the Packers just figuring things out. And as far as the 49ers, I mean, we didn't beat them, but you look at what the Packers are able to do to them, they certainly had the ability to move against them. And that's part of the reason why, as we watch that, watching the Chiefs try to move against the 49ers and the 49ers try to move against the Chiefs, it, it, you, it's like your dad instinct wants to take over, just be like, just let me do it. <laughs> you know, it's like... You're just hoping Matt LaFleur would just step in and be like, just move. Just give me it. Give me the call sheet, you idiot. Let me do it. And honestly, for a while, when the 49ers were kicking the crap out of the Chiefs early in the game, and not necessarily on the scoreboard, but just in general, I started to think that maybe the 49ers were actually going to win the game because of the parallels between Matt LaFleur and Shanahan. And I just thought, well, maybe this sort of Shanahan-esque offense is really what is the Achilles heel for this Chiefs defense. But again, the offense woke up and scored points and the defense was at least Ben don't breaky enough to uh, come away with a win. So, but yeah, I mean, Matt LaFleur is, you know, whatever you want to say about him, he at least is adequate in, in terms of his ability to beat teams, especially top teams. I mean, that's just, it's not really an issue. It's sort of like watching well, at least what we've been saying about Anders Carlson, where you feel more comfortable, let's put it this way, more comfortable with a 50-yard kick than an extra point. Because Matt LaFleur, it's like, I'm not really more scared of the Chiefs than I am the Giants. I mean, for good reason, as we saw. But that really speaks to how talented this team is and how high the ceiling really can be. Because, again, year one, and we're looking at this going, dude, we got this. Like, Give us another shot at that. We could probably win the Super Bowl. But we're flying through these a little bit. We only got seven more calls, so why don't we take our first break, and we'll be back and hear from Kyle and Madison. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. 
Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Ryan, Kyle from Madison, buddy, how are you? Good. It is Monday following the Super Bowl. What a game, huh? What a game. I don't, I'm not really in the business of ranking them or best ever, number five, whatever. I don't know. All I know that was a, just an absolutely riveting Super Bowl once it kind of got rolling. You know, it was more of a defensive struggle, but, but once it got rolling, I mean, that, that just had so many dramatic moments. And that's one thing, you know, as I've said many times, I've been teaching my nephew from Germany, uh, the game as he's become a Packer fan this last year. And, um, you know, one of the criticisms, of course, of American football is just all the dang commercials, right? I thought, though, that this was an incredible showcase for how American football can be so dramatic, the way it's so segmented into, you know, these downs and distances, and you have, you know, four, five, six hugely dramatic you know, down and distance plays, you know, per drive sometimes, third downs, fourth downs. It was a great display of the game for the world to see. Um, such an exciting game. But you knew, at least I thought, I, I, I said to my brother, when the Niners picked off Mahomes and then did nothing with it, I strongly felt, you know, I didn't know how it would manifest, but that that was going to bite him. And Patrick Mahomes throws a freaking interception in the Super Bowl. Ah, you got to do something with it, and uh, it, it did. But I thought that that both teams played a really good game, and honestly, you know, Mahomes is certainly a next level guy. But his, and we saw this from Love this year. If you want to dominate, you want to, you want to turn things around. I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but I would guess there's a very strong correlation between when Jordan Love's play picked up this year. And his third down conversion rates. Now, I don't know which, which is chicken and which is the egg there, but like, if you're a big time player, you're converting third and fourth downs. And to watch Mahomes go down and, and just huge conversion after huge conversion after huge conversion. I mean, really, it's probably the, the biggest single thing you can do if you want to be a stratospheric quarterback or you want to be, you know, just a good quarterback. Those clutch conversions, my goodness, um, was that quite a display. I'm going to call you right back because I want to talk to you about uh, the 49ers. Yeah, I mean, as far as the third downs go, I mean, that's something I've been talking about for a while, especially down the stretch, is just how good the offense was. I mean, obviously Jordan Love played a big part in that, but I just I was stunned how many guys were just open all the time, which I put at the feet of Matt LaFleur largely, but you know, the wide receivers also and tight ends and whatnot deserve a little bit of credit for that. But it just it just shocked me because, you know, again, you, you get yourself in a third and seven situation. You see the quarterback and shotgun and you're like, eh, you know, you, you feel like the odds are, I don't know, 20 percent or something. I mean, they're not the worst, but you, you just you, you figure that it's 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 tough to dig your way out of this or even 40 percent. away. But it's just like they, they always convert. And it's and again, what what I feel like and maybe I'm just misremembering. Tell me if I'm wrong. But I feel like as a Packer fan, what we always saw in these like third and seven situations is it's entirely on, like, Rodgers and Devontae. And maybe Rodgers will find somebody else. Maybe he'll throw just a laser to Lazard who has to dig it out of the ground, you know, because it's just Rodgers throws it perfectly, like, low and away because obviously Lazard can't necessarily get open. 
So it's just got to be this perfectly placed ball and just an incredible heroic effort from Lazard to be able to dig that thing out or to sky, you know, sky up and grab it or a back shoulder to Devontae or just one of these magical things because it's just, there's nothing you can actually do about a third and seven to actually call a play where somebody gets open. That's not a, that's not a thing. It just requires heroic people. And to have a coach right now that's just like, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll just do this and then he'll be open. Like, you can get guys open on third down? I didn't know that. I didn't even know you can get guys open, to be honest. I thought the only way you get guys open is if you have Devontae break a guy's ankles and then somebody comes open. I just, I didn't know that you could just call a play that just kind of takes advantage of what the defense is doing and then somebody's just running wide open. Like, I mean, I, I guess I knew that because I saw teams do that to us all the time. In fact, I screamed about that on this podcast before where it's like, why is everybody else able to call plays where people are just wide open and we can't do that? Well, now we got Matt LaFleur calling Matt LaFleur stuff and guys are just open, even on third downs. And it's just, it's it's so unusual to me, but I dig it. Hey, Kyle again. So I actually, somewhere in my cold heart, feel a little bit sorry for the Niners, which I didn't think was possible. Um, that, that green law injury is just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, that just made me want to puke. Uh, literally, guys doing nothing, jumping up and down, ready to go into the game, blowing the Achilles. It's just ridiculous. But from an NFC perspective, and selfishly here as a Packer fan, I do think losses like this have a carryover effect. I know some people don't believe in that, but I'm pretty sure the statistics kind of bear out. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's maybe that's not true. Maybe you can tell me. But is the Super Bowl hangover a real thing? Sure seems like it. You know, the Eagles' record this year may not show it, but they did fall apart towards the end. Um, the Niners having been so close for so many years with Shanahan, and now they're going to be without Greenlaw all year, I would guess. And now they do have like a pretty young core, though, I will say that. But how do you get back on that horse after you were, you know, seconds away uh, from victory multiple times? I just don't know. And the Niners somewhat feel like a team that could regress hugely in, in some ways. Um so I guess I just want your thoughts on that. I, that it just seems like we we assume these teams will be nipping at the Super Bowl championship for years and years, and then finally we'll get it. And that's not usually how it works. You know what I mean? Um, unless you're the Chiefs or the Patriots, I guess. Will the Niners regress? You know, and at what at what point are they going to have to reload this thing? I still can't believe that the Niners can get away with blowing the Trey Lance pick so badly with all that draft capital and still be this good. That blows my mind all the time. Like, how do they get away with that? Yeah. They shouldn't get away with it. They should be getting pasted every day by the media. Totally, if it was the Packers, they would be. But that being said, man, you'd like to think the Niners regress at least for like a season here and just, just as far as headspace. I don't know how you come back from that, but... um if the Packers were in that Super Bowl instead of the Niners, you know, could they have, have finished off the Chiefs? I don't think so, man. I uh, It's certainly possible, of course, but yeah, you have got to, the Mahomes zombie, you have got to cut the head off and the body's got to be cold before you can celebrate anything. And it's just, they couldn't, the Niners couldn't get it done. I don't think the Packers could have either. And congratulations to the Chiefs and to the Niners. 
And uh, go Pack Go. Yeah, congratulations to the Niners for blowing it again, you bunch of hacks. I don't like that team. But again, I, I do feel like for the first time, they're finally, you know, the question was asked, when when, when is the media going to start making them accountable? Um, Shanahan's reputation has taken a major hit right now. Um, you know, the the I, I was just looking just a second ago, you know, there's the whole situation with the overtime, but then there's the Kevin Cole who does a lot of analytics stuff. He did a ton of different things, which I'm going to go through in a little bit, but I just happened to come across this as you were um, talking. And it's just Shanahan isn't without blame. Bungling clock management at the end of the half, plus missing two critical chances to run the ball on third and medium when the Chiefs knew he was going to pass. So there's a couple things there. One of them he clarifies. He says, analytics gets painted as always pass, but the numbers show a slight advantage of running on third and medium. Even so, teams pass 85% of the time. It's about doing the valuable thing. 49ers had two huge chances to run the ball last night, converting or setting up fourth down tries. So a couple things. Number one, um, I think a lot of people were confused why the 49ers passed so much, right? It's like you are a team that prides itself on defense and run the ball. You went out and paid a ton of money for a, a running back. You run the ball a ton, right? Christian, we already talked about it on the show. Christian McCaffrey ran the ball more than any other running back by a pretty decent margin. That is your success. And then, you know, again, Kevin Cole here is saying that there were situations where even any team, not even just like the most run-heavy teams, any team would have been more optimal on third and medium to run the ball. And as I've talked about as far as rock, paper, scissors, the Chiefs played pass. So that this was this was perfect. The analytics say run. You're a run team and the Chiefs are playing pass and you passed. That's just terrible play calling. So you have bad decision at overtime, which you can blame the players if you want, but it's not on the players, it's on the coaching staff. Unless Kyle Shanahan and that coaching staff said, we need to kick this ball, and then they just completely disregarded and disobeyed you know, that, that instruction, which, as far as I know, did not happen. They botched the overtime, they botched the clock management, they botched the play calling. This is on Kyle Shanahan, and, and now there, there is this talk about curse and everything else, which... Again, it's, I think, somewhat nonsensical, but I'm going to let everybody run with it because the 49ers have been praised too much for too long. Not to say Kyle Shanahan isn't a, a talented offensive mind, because obviously he is, but they've been given way too much credit for way too long as though they've won multiple Super Bowls when, in fact, they have zero. They've missed the playoffs multiple times. A lot of the talent that they have, they, they didn't even acquire it. I mean, Trent Williams, they got from a different team. Bosa they got because their their team went to zero and they ended up getting like what what was it was it the number one pick I don't they had multiple multiple top picks and this isn't on Shanahan it's more on the the guys that the uh, the G I don't even know how many GMs they've, is it just the same guy or what but I don't think the drafting has been all that great the offensive line is abysmal the defense is built largely by either going out and paying other teams or or getting you know early first round picks. And and there was a period where they, they went like four defensive linemen in a row because they kept missing inside the top 10. They couldn't find anybody until they had like the number one pick and got Bosa. So, I mean, credit where it's due for them to be able to create such a quarterback friendly system, to be able to run the ball as well as they do, um, to go pay Christian McCaffrey, just like you paid Trent Williams to come out and do stuff. Obviously Kittle was, was a, a, a massive get, but I think, I think it's been enough with the 49ers. And I think, you know, as much as they are a good team and as much as they're likely to, you know, be the Super Bowl favorites 
at least to be in the Super Bowl next year, and probably rightly so, I think they're at least due for a little bit of criticism. I think it's well past time for that. And then as far as the hangover, I will, uh, I'll try to remember to look into that and maybe talk about that on uh, the podcast either tomorrow or another time. It would be a good little deep dive thing to look at. Maybe somebody's written an article on it already, but it would be nice to get kind of an updated look on it. Hey, Kyle from Madison one last time here. So, I just can't stop thinking about some of these moments in that game last night. Two things that just are just lingering with me. One is, I mean, if I was a Niners fan, and I know this, I've sung this song many times, as all Packers fans have, but I don't know why Shanahan didn't do to the Chiefs what he did to us in 2019. I mean, we have seen Shanahan just spam plays repeatedly that are working. He's not, he doesn't care. He's not afraid to do that. And yet, when they're gashing the Chiefs for seven yards, eight yards to carry McCaffrey, he just goes away from it inexplicably. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm not on the Niners, you know, social media or whatever, but I guarantee you there's going to be people that are really upset about that. Oh, yeah. And I don't blame them. I think. Well, and, and he got you there. He's the one that got you there. And it's not even a matter of like preserving him. This is the final game. You run McCaffrey into the ground, unless he's coming to the sideline, like crawling, gasping for air, not getting yards anymore. Keep doing it. But it, it was funny, too, because it wasn't just McCaffrey who was running the ball in general. Because I remember I was watching with my son or whatever, and you know they'd run the ball, and he'd get a good run, and my, my son would be sitting there, and he'd go, that's not even McCaffrey. That, that, that guy got seven, eight yards. It wasn't even McCaffrey. I mean, it's like they, they really had a hard time stopping the run, even with the backups. So just, you know, I mean, we've had it done to us before where it's like they can't stop the run, just keep running. They just keep gashing us. But yeah, I don't know. I don't, I can't fully understand that. Especially again, even when analytics say in a general sense, not even in this specific sense where you're succeeding there and failing as a passer, um, just in a general sense, this is a time to run and then they pass. With a young quarterback and you're, and it's working, I know they got behind the sticks once or twice, but I just think there was still a lot of opportunity in the run game or even just to supplement the run game with some passing McCaffrey there was huge missed opportunity. Um, on Mahomes, though, something that I think I hope our quarterback's watching, um, Patrick Mahomes certainly has the ability to make the craziest throws, right? We know that. We've seen him. For the most part, Bosa did a good job of not letting him get out to the right and throw that ball we've seen him throw so many times. I thought the most impressive thing, though, especially in the last two drives by the Chiefs, was that Mahomes did not ever have to really put the cape on. He didn't have to, like, split three defenders with a perfect ball, you know, to get it done. Um, yeah, he had a spectacular run on that fourth down, but it wasn't like the most technically difficult thing. They just had to sell it. He just had to execute and then ball security. So what I think is one of the most impressive things is just the moment there. It wasn't too big. He didn't try to do too much. You know, we saw Jordan this year against the Niners. It just kind of, he got just too, too into it in that last play, you know, and he just tried to make something happen. He didn't really need to yet. I thought Mahomes genius yesterday or one of his many. <laughs> genius uh abilities yesterday it was just just a play and structure trust the play calling and just find the open guy 
know exactly where it's going. He had that ball out against the Blitz in such wonderful ways. Um, and not do too much, just be accurate, play within the system, and just take what was there. And it was so, like, simple and, like, duh to watch, but not everybody does it. So, anyway, peace. Well, and again, that kind of goes back to what I was saying before about they just they know how to win in these situations. You know, it, it's just, I think... Um, you know, for a lot of teams that that don't know any better, it's just about getting a souped-up car and just stabbing the gas. You know, they they get an automatic. They just get a car with an automatic transmission and a big engine. That's my half Mexican lawyer messaging me on Steam. Just ignore that. And they they just, you know, they they don't know how to drive, and that's the difference. Chiefs didn't have as good of a car, but they had a better driver. And I, I think that would be a decent analogy in terms of why I picked the Chiefs and and why I should have picked the Chiefs even further. I mean, as they mentioned, they were underdogs in all three games. I don't think that that's just a coincidence, especially since it was predictable. How is it predictable that an underdog team would be likely to win in those three situations as the lesser team because of the driver? And I think even advanced stats will kind of miss that because the advanced stats only look at the car. They look at the engine, they look at all this stuff. And then again, you know, they're looking and go, that's basically a coin flip. The cars are all pretty close. I think if we had an, a way to analyze, you know, and obviously you can analyze the quarterback, but that's not even what I'm talking about necessarily, because by a lot of metrics, Purdy was better than Mahomes. So it's not even about the stats or anything like that. It's just, it's, it's knowing how to win. And the Chiefs have figured that out just like the Patriots did before. It's not always about finding the best team or being the best team. It's about knowing how to win when, when it's crunch time. Anyways, we only have three calls left, so why don't we take our final break? We'll come back and hear from Garrett and Trucker Bob. Well, the football season, as we know it, has ended with another Kansas City Super Bowl win. Uh, it was kind of a gut-riching kind of game to watch. Not a lot of spectacular moments, but... Uh, it is what it is. Um, we'll just have to deal with it. I guess I'm kind of, uh, I don't know. That's, I'm glad Niners didn't win just for the reason we don't have to hear them yap all off season that they're number one. So now they're going to start losing some players. Kansas City is probably going to lose some free agent players. They're not going to be the same as they, they were this year. Um, next year, who knows? I mean, with Harbaugh going to San Diego, maybe they'll be the dark horse favorite. So you never know. There's always that one team that nobody picked that just shows up and plays real good, kind of like Green Bay did this year. So moving on to the 2024 draft, I wanted to make some suggestions real quick regarding, you know, a year from now, Green Bay will be hosting the draft. And I wanted to run some ideas by you, Ryan, so that you guys can maybe do a dry run scenario uh, for the Detroit um, 2024 draft, and that is uh, the guys that most definitely be in, you know, in Green Bay for 2025, and, you know, are you guys going to do a live setup? Are you going to do a podcast live from certain locations? I'm sure Clayton has definitely got some things brewing, but uh, I want to make some suggestions regarding uh, the fans and the listeners to the podcast that how we can, uh, you know, throw some ideas at you and you guys kind of just maybe write it down on a whiteboard and just, you know, 
collaborate some ideas of organizing events for Packernet for 2025 so that, you know, we're looking forward to it and can plan ahead for next year, considering it's a really small town. There's not going to be a lot of areas where guys can stay and stuff, but uh, just kind of working out the kinks this year and just throwing out ideas what maybe would work and what wouldn't work and and creating, you know, venues on Facebook, you know, certain posts where guys can all start talking and brainstorming for ideas for what we may be able to do in 2025 and for anybody that maybe does go to Detroit, uh, giving feedback to, you know, what to expect and – I don't know, just go from there and kind of build from it, uh, you know, a foundation for us to work from uh, going into next year. So just some ideas maybe you guys can start working on it during the off season and this this season's uh, month. Um, well, let's see. We'll, we'll let you finish with part two. To finish my thought about uh, next year's draft, you know, uh, as far as podcast row or something like that, you know, you're pretty good buddies with uh, Matt Ramage now, and I'm sure he's going to be doing something. I'd say set a goal to, you know, have a meeting of the minds and definitely brainstorm some uh, setups, you know, that will maximize your exposure as Packernet and allow us to have a full experience of a once-in-a-lifetime meetup. I mean... Honestly, how often is Green Bay going to get to post the draft? So I'd say now or never, Ryan, make the plans, let us know what's going on, let us contribute ideas, and let's make this happen. No. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I mean, the, the plan is certainly to be there. The question is in what capacity. I mean, do we want it to be podcasty? Do we want to just enjoy the experience together as, it, as in just like a meetup? I think, you know, what, what would be the perfect scenario would be the first question. You know, as much as it's kind of a, a cool status thing to be on Media Row and be able to do all that kind of stuff, you know, obviously there's a question of could we get media credentials or at least work toward that and then, you know, to get special access to certain things, but is that even necessarily the path that we or I want to take? Do I want to sit on the sideline with a microphone while the draft is happening for the sake of status? It just, you know, as I'm just kind of thinking through it right now, I would hate to, I mean, you want to maximize the opportunity for sure. And obviously there's a lot of stuff in between that could be done. It could be a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We could kind of do a hangout slash, you know, doing streams. We could have our cell phones, whatever. We could do, you know, streaming, making videos here and there as a kind of hybrid blend. But I guess that's the first question. You're going to be there. What would be the best possible outcome? And to some degree, especially me being me, I feel like the most enjoyable thing to do would be to just enjoy it, to just go do what you want to do. You know, I don't know if you've ever taken like a, a trip with a bunch of people. Or even you can even look at it at like birthday parties. It becomes less enjoyable the more controlling everybody becomes. Like as much as we have to like micromanage every minute of the day, you know, there's there's a mom somewhere that that has to control everybody's at. Like, okay, it's seven o'clock. We're gonna go get breakfast. Then at this time we're gonna go here, and then at this time we're even like birth the kids' birthday parties. Like, okay, I, I created a schedule. And at this time, we're doing this. And then at this time, we're all going to come together and play this game. And then we're going to, 
bro, it's a kid's, let him go play. Like, the parents hang out and drink beer. The kids go in the backyard and jump around and, and smash into each other. Like, just chill out, bro. Relax. So, you know, how much do you want to micromanage the process as opposed to just letting it happen and going and enjoy it and letting everybody else enjoy it? It could just be like a, you know, we meet up and, you know, we're going to do this if you want. If you don't, go do this. It's no big deal. I don't know. Trying to strike a balance between making sure everybody's able to enjoy the draft in the way that they want to enjoy the draft and uh, also maximizing an opportunity to meet and interact with listeners as well as possibly even doing some extra cool stuff. You know, could there possibly be, you know, players, former players, other people, other podcasters, collaboration? I don't know. But it starts with what would be the best possible outcome, and then you go from there. Hey, Ryan. This is Trucker Bob. What's Trucker Bob? California. What's up? Stop my, my son's house here in Santa Clara. He only lives a couple of miles from the stadium. And uh, he has a Super Bowl party every year. So, you know, we had like 25 of his friends and family over for a Super Bowl party. And all of them were 49ers fans. And then there was my wife jumping up and down, cheering for the Chiefs. <laughs> kind of funny, actually. <laughs> Anyways, the thing I wanted to mention that's so funny is all during that second half, these guys are screaming at the TV, run the ball, run the freaking ball, run the ball, give it to McCaffrey, run the ball, run the ball, give it to McCaffrey. They were yelling that the whole fourth quarter, and I guess he ran it one time Jeez. or something stupid like that. And they were all going just nuts yeah. over the play calling in the second half of the fourth quarter, and they just were beside themselves. Anyways, I just thought I'd let you know that the Packers are not the only fans that run around and say, run the ball for crying out loud, run the ball. So, I know, I guess it's a disease in the NFL that if you've got a good running game and you're an important game, you don't run the ball. So, whatever disease the Packers have, the 49ers have it also. Just thought I'd let you know. Check Bob out. Yeah, Marshawn Lynch probably knows a little bit about that. Yeah, 49ers fans have definitely come unhinged, and I'm sure that that's not super uncommon, but the amount of like videos I've seen of these guys losing their mind, TVs getting smashed. I saw the one in the backyard where the guy smashes a TV, and then like his wife comes over and starts smashing the TV. It's another one where a guy comes flying across the room, smashes his TV, and then starts going after the Chiefs fans in his house, like absolutely trying to friggin' kill the guys. And then I also saw in the news massive crime wave across the country, a, a giant spike in crime as uh, as the 49ers lose. So it, it just, it just you, you sit back, and I'm sure that's not massively uncommon. I don't know. But as I sit back and look at it, it's like, yeah, you guys deserve to lose. Freaking 49ers fans, man. Just I think this one might have broke them. This, this one broke everybody. Like I said, the media's turning on them. It's kind of that, like I've, I've referenced it a couple times, it's that 2020 moment where you sit back and just go, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I, I just, this was our year. We were better than them. We were better than everybody. If we can't win it here, we're just, we're never going to win this thing. Quarterback was one of the best in football, statistically. McCaffrey is unstoppable. Defense is playing well. The Chiefs are, are at a low right now, especially their offense. They can't do anything, and our defense stopped them for an entire half. And we just couldn't get out of our own way. And 
and uh, kept making mistakes and lost the game. And I think it just, it just freaking broke him. And I'm okay with that. I mean, I'm not okay with the crimes that took place and the people that were injured by psychotic 49ers fans, but I'm okay with those psychos being emotionally and mentally and possibly physically damaged for life. Anyways, that's it. I'm out of here. You guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you tomorrow, later, whatever. Have a good one. Bye-bye.